Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was now finding. Today's episode of Petri Dish is brought to you by Kind Bar. Kind Bar is a thing you put into the mouth. Is this good? Is this song good to you guys? Kind is deeply committed to crafting food with real, recognizable ingredients, a disruptive notion that sparked the creation of a new, healthy snacking category. Kind is unapologetic in their efforts to challenge the status quo to shift the food industry and empower their community and our listeners to make better, informed choices about health. Kindness can be a transformative force for good, and that's why we are teaming up with Kind and Podgo to bring our listeners 10% or 15% off for military, teachers, students, first responders, doctors, and nurses. Go to podgo.co slash kind. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash kind to get that deal. Kind Bar, creating a kinder and healthier world, one act, one snack at a time. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. So maybe you listened to our episode last week. If you didn't, go check it out because we talked all about uh, antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that was right. Yeah. <laughs> <I> was <good. laughs> okay, we <laughs> so we talked all about antibiotics, but now we got to talk about <laughs> resisting them. Okay, we got to resist the antibiotics. Big pharma, they want to put antibiotics <laughs> in your chicken nuggets. Man, you have one. Nashville hot chicken sandwich, <laughs> and you were just fucking ruined so for the day. Drunk. You're so bad right now. Holy oh, shit. man. You didn't even have any alcohol. It was just the Nashville hot, and you're just like a mess. Anyway, okay. Yes. This week is about antibiotic resistance, which is not something we do. We don't want to resist antibiotics. Ah, yes. We like that. <laughs> it's bacteria are developing resistance to our antibiotics. Yeah. And it's very dangerioso. Okay. So, last time we went over the big history of antibiotics, the reality is, pretty much as soon as antibiotics got developed and started getting used, we started finding some bacteria that were resistant to it. It happened pretty much right away. And this problem with more and more antibiotic use has become larger and larger. Right. At first, we kind of blew it off. It was like, ha ha, punk bitches. We're just inventing. We're inventing, baby. We don't even care. But by, you know, 2010 or whatever, we've slowed down our pace of new antibiotics a lot. And meanwhile, we're just like Agent Oranging whole countries in antibiotics. And so there's like a lot of resistance now out there and it's proliferating. Right. And unfortunately, resistance can spread not just from a bacteria to like its little kid bacteria. Yeah. Right. But it can also spread to unrelated bacteria. Yeah. To unknown partners. And so, you know, this week we're going to talk about how big of a problem this is. How does resistance work and spread? And then we're going to talk about what we can do about resistance, what we're working on right now. And guys, this is really good stuff for Model UN. So if you, you know, you have a cousin or something in high school, they're in debate, you know, get this episode to them. Because they can take this and they can make like a really good resolution in their committee. (laughs) Uh, Petri dish, chosen pod of Model UN. 
All right, well, <laughs> so let's let's it's start this episode. Unofficial sponsorship. <laughs> let's you stop talking. <laughs> let's start this episode. So, you know, Sean, I consume a lot of antibiotics. Uh, I like to cut them in half usually, so I don't take the full dose. Wow. Um, I also, I only get chicken that has antibiotic use, <laughs> you know, because I don't want any syphilis in my chicken, right? So I, you know, being the average consumer, I am king. Spoil me. I don't know how big a problem is antibiotic resistance. What is it? Where is it? How big of a problem is it? Okay, so in terms of antibiotic resistance, the main issue that comes up is when you get infected by a bacteria that is resistant to antibiotics. That makes sense. And in the U.S., that's about 3 million people every year gets infected by some kind of bacteria that is resistant to multiple antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Usually staph. Gross. uh, Which is like kind of the main clinically relevant antibiotic resistant bacteria right now. Why is that the case? Is that just because since staph lives on us, like it's ubiquitous... And so it has that kind of opportunity to proliferate resistant... Ver- like, like you could imagine maybe... You know, I know there's drug-resistant tuberculosis like in Africa or something. Could that presumably be a bigger issue in America if we just had more tuberculosis running around? Yeah, pretty much anywhere that there is a good amount of tuberculosis, you have drug-resistant tuberculosis. Right. But one thing I'd say is staph does seem to be kind of good at picking up resistance genes. Right, that microfilm, huh? Biofilm. Biofilm. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Microfiche. <laughs> That's what the old-timey uh, like newspapers think, are. I like on. to think there's just like a lot of staff in the archives and libraries. <laughs> <laughs> the archivists have these really high levels of getting drug-resistant staff. <laughs> so, three million people every year get infected with these kinds of bacteria, and tens of thousands of those people die in the u.s right basically by being infected with a bacteria that we try to treat and there's just no antibiotic that's working yeah and yeah i mean you know this is again bacteria which is a group of organisms that like you know since the early 1900s we've got basically like a magic bullet for you know what i mean like right. we, these antibiotics have been extremely effective at saving millions and millions of lives from infections of bacteria and now they're kind of turning it around There's a lot of modern techniques that rely on being able to give people antibiotics. Lots of surgeries, you know, C-sections, stuff like that. Intubations, chemotherapy, all of those things kind of rely on being able to give people antibiotics to prevent infection. Right. And, you know, things are getting worse. And so right now there are some projections that by 2050, globally, we might have 10 million deaths a year from bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. Yeah, but aren't we tired of the projections of elites? I mean, Sean, at the beginning of COVID, it was projected that like 150,000 people are going to die, right? (laughs) Like idiots. (laughs) Egg on their face. Yeah. In reality, zero people died of COVID. It's a hoax. Oh my God. No, just kidding. Yeah. What an ass blast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So many people dead. So many people died from COVID. So I don't know. So this 10 million, probably 30 million people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll see. What I love about the 10, well, I don't actually love this about the 10 million. Yeah, you love it, dude. But what's interesting about the 10 million deaths number is that it's always followed by an economic loss number. Right. Which is like, it's like, oh, 10 million people will die a year. A loss of like $100 trillion per year. 
And it's just funny that we always like... Right, I would lead with the number of money lost and then like mention as a footnote, that's because 10 million people died. <laughs> it, it is always interesting though that we always tie people into like their worth in dollars. Right. You know? Man. All right, so basically this is a big problem. It seems to be getting worse. So let's go ahead and talk about how resistance works and how it spreads, right? It's worsening, but how does it work at all? Right. You had mentioned earlier that like, you know, mama, dad, they don't die from the antibiotic and then they poop out babies that are resistant. But you were saying that that's not necessarily the way or certainly not the only way that resistance actually emerges. Right. So first of all, it does rely on kind of the adage of like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Uh, at the very least, for bacteria, what doesn't kill you makes you different, Yeah. okay? In that the bacteria are encountering these antibiotics, but at some level that doesn't kill them, Yeah. but hurts them. And so they try to figure out adaptive ways to get around the antibiotic. I don't really like that adage, you know? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh-huh. I feel like that's what I was taught at Taekwondo, and I just felt weaker at the end of my time at Taekwondo. <laughs> I felt mentally battered. Yeah, <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> Some of my joints hurt. There's only so many times you can get beat up by a kid younger than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just hard for life. Until <laughs> so you kind of realize something's wrong. So all living things mutate, okay? Especially things that are dividing really frequently. And bacteria divide pretty damn quickly. Right. Okay. And so as they mutate over time, that you know, as they're accumulating these mutations in their DNA, some of those mutations will be shittier in their response to antibiotics. Right. Some of them will be neutral. Right. And then occasionally you'll get some where they mutate to be better at dealing with antibiotics. Right. It's just like X-Men, right? Like every generation you have 100 X-Men and like 50 of them have like just like an awful mutation, right? Sure. Like they can like, only their skin goes invisible. Yeah. But like every generation you have like five Wolverines. Wow, that's a lot of Wolverines actually. That's pretty good. That's that's five times the normal amount of Wolverines. Five percent? That's that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was thinking we're we're gonna have a lot of people who can like magically turn, you know, like a grocery store bags into paper towels. I don't know like why, that's but their main I power. could have sworn you're gonna say Magikarp into whatever the Gyarados. Yeah. Which would actually be a very powerful thing if you yeah. just take a fish and turn it into a dragon. Yes. That's a great X Men power. Yeah. 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 That, that'd be really fancy. Actually. I wish I had that when I played Pokemon because, dude, I spent so much time with that fucking Magikarp flopping around. And you'd, like, get a pill to teach it Tackle or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if you team up this kind of X-Men dude with, like, Jesus. Yeah. Who can just make a shitload of fish. Oh, my God. Right, because that's Jesus' magic <laughs> that's power. That's such a funny comic. Right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Jesus is the new member of X-Men. He's, like, quantum leaped out of the crucifix because they're like, we need you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, fish! Yeah, in battle, he just throws fish at people that yeah. Just like operates out of thin air. Yeah, um, okay, well, anyway, so, so you have a certain random amount of mutation that will help deal with antibiotics. Right, and as always, a lot of mutations are deleterious. They're not good. Right. Or they're neutral. They don't do anything functionally relevant. Okay. Right. But every once in a while, some will come up that are beneficial for the bacteria mm. in avoiding antibiotics or doing something about antibiotics. Cool. And then usually those bacteria will have a huge fitness advantage. Right. Because all the other bacteria around them are suffering from the antibiotics, but this bacteria is doing great. Yeah. So it divides a bunch. And that's the way that it would get passed on to its kids. Right. Okay. But the thing is, bacteria have a lot of mechanisms for sharing DNA with each other. Right. That aren't just parent to daughter cells. Okay. What's some of the sharing the wealth, dude? 
Right. So bacteria that are somewhat closely related to each other can bang each other. Okay. Cool. We actually kind of talked about this. There's a sex pili. Right. That can kind of like shoot out from one bacteria and like bang into another right. bacteria. Not dissimilar to humans. there are some ways in which that's kind of similar um and and genetic information can pass from one bacteria to another right okay kind of through a straw connecting them it's so hard to visualize sean is there something on a person that's kind of like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like a nose it's like when one person shoves their nose into another person oh man that was a south park episode (laughs) where the guys see aliens fucking and it's like these trunks like elephant trunks just like touch each other be like fuck snuck my schnozzle Like, I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) So, that's one option. Right. Okay. Okay. But bacteria, some other bacteria, can be very good at just grabbing genetic information that's just hanging out outside the cell. Very cool. Okay, so if there's DNA outside of some bacterial cells, they're able to grab that DNA and bring it into their cell. That's cool. And so you can imagine, there's a lot of ways that that could work. So, for example, you might have some bacteria that are hanging out in antibiotics and some other bacteria has evolved resistance. Right. And then after time, some of those bacteria die, and their DNA is kind of just floating around. And then our original bacteria can grab some of that DNA and then gain resistance, Right. basically. So that's another option. And then one of the last options is that resistance genes can be spread by viruses. Okay. So there are viruses that infect bacteria. Right. And some of them will infect the bacteria, but then fuse into their genome cool so the bacterial genome will now have a virus like in it the viral dna is in the bacterial genome that's pretty cool and then one day some days later the virus will re-emerge out of the bacteria genome weird but when it does that it will bring along with it sometimes chunks of the bacteria's dna gross including potentially resistance genes right so as the virus spreads out the bacteria it leaves off spread it yes exactly fucking gross right uh this is actually something so in humans and mammals and stuff like that retroviruses are ones that integrate into our genome right like hiv is an example of a retrovirus but in bacteria there are some kinds of viruses some kinds of bacteriophages that like to integrate into their genome. Interesting. And so this is another way that it can spread around. Okay, so those three main ways basically means that you can have bacteria that are not pathogenic at all, Mm. okay? You could have bacteria living in the dirt, just hanging out, being all cool. Maybe in a cow pasture, they're getting pooped on by cows all the time. Right. And they never cause human disease, but they might run up against staph. Right. And then the staph might take resistance from them. And then be able to infect somebody and be resistant. Okay. So the last little chunk of this that I want to talk about is, you know, we keep talking about resistance, resistance. What is it? Yeah. How do bacteria actually fight against antibiotics? Right. And so as I go through this list, I think they're all going to seem super logical. Right. Okay. The first one, you got to thicken up. Okay. You got to get swole. Yeah. So bacteria have a cell wall. Walls sound like the kind of thing that could help you keep stuff out. Yeah. So you can thicken up your wall to make it so that the antibiotics have a harder time diffusing through. Right. Okay. Bacteria can also build and maintain what are called efflux pumps. Okay. And those are pumps that take molecules inside of the bacteria and toss them overboard. Right. Okay. So even if the antibiotics make it in, 
the bacteria might pump them back out again. Right. So it's like a border wall and then a catapult to shoot a lot of people over it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, the efflux pump thing, is actually something you see in cancer cells that are resistant to chemo. Yeah. They also create pumps that just pump the chemo drugs out of the cells. It's a, it's a right. common convergent evolution thing in biology. I think it's important to say that we don't endorse human catapults. Uh, it's just an um, illustrative, you know, example. I don't support living human catapults. Right. If they're just dead bodies, then that's just germ warfare. Yeah. That's just, that's just good thinking. <laughs> you know, Mongols made a lot of roads. You know? <laughs> I'm talking about what's bad about Mongols. They had some good thoughts. <laughs> um, so, bacteria can also build enzymes that break down the antibiotics, that actually cut up the molecules. That's cool. That's actually one of the most common forms of antibiotic resistance to penicillin and the penicillin family, the beta-lactams. Smart. Bacteria can also mutate the target of the antibiotics. So antibiotics usually find some protein that they bind to. Right. And binding to it disrupts the bacteria somehow. Right. In terms of the scale of cell biology and stuff like that. Right. If you were a protein, antibiotics might look something kind of like around the size of a sock. Right. Or something. And, you know, a sock can fit on a lot of places on your body. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There are several locations. <laughs> right. But if you mutate those locations to not fit a sock anymore, right. then that antibiotic is less useful or useless even. Right. And then, finally, bacteria can also make more of the target of antibiotics. So if antibiotics are supposed to hit a specific protein... Now there's a shit ton of them. Yeah, bacteria can just triple the amount, quadruple the amount. And right. even if the antibiotics are doing their job as well as they can, they're outnumbered. Right. And the protein's still going to do its thing, bacteria's still going to survive. Yeah. All of those options, you can do more than one. Okay, bacteria don't have to just pick one. Right. They can do several of those options. But one thing I will say that comes up a little bit later is that typically anytime you pick any of these things, there's a fitness cost in terms of evolutionary fitness. Yeah. Basically, bacteria are running with not very much overhead. Yeah. Right? They're like a company that's like, you know, their profit margin's very, very thin. Right. So they can't really do that much extra stuff. If they decide to invest in more pumps, for example, usually that means that they need to reduce the amount of something else. Interesting. They don't have that much energy left over for stuff. So, sure. So that usually means that they're going to take away from something. So it's hard for them to increase pumps and increase the target protein production, right. right? They can't really do both. And so maybe them having to pick and choose is something that we can exploit in the future. And so yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode when we talk about how can we fight against resistance. I'm going to take a swing at something that's like out of left field. Yeah. You're, you're not going to see it coming at all. I'm ready. Okay. okay. You look really good today. Oh. I was just looking at the, <laughs> I was looking at the symmetry of this band of your face, you oh. know, like your eye band. Yeah. It's very handsome, Sean. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so let's it's take an a audio break. Medium, so <laughs> the audience can't appreciate it, but yeah. But sometimes you want them to imagine. Sure. You know, like it's annoying when someone makes The Hobbit into three movies. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is too many movies. <laughs> it's like I want to imagine yes. what Schmeagol looks like. Well, you know, folks at home, imagine a ridiculously good-looking man. Oh yeah. Telling another man that he's good-looking. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I flipped it around. Okay, okay, we have to take a <laughs> yeah. break. Let's take a break, and when we get back, let's talk about what's actually causing the antibiotic resistance crisis that we're in right now. Hi guys, my name is Donatello Iglesias. If you're like me, you have glands. Stinky glands that smell so strongly of raw onions and whale meat that no one is willing to listen to your brilliant ideas. 
but you're chock full of them. If only you could overcome your corpse-like odor, you could change the world. Well, luckily for you, there's Musk, a new cologne line harvested directly from Elon Musk's own glands. Research has shown that his natural odor connotes so strongly with success and brilliance that it can overcome nearly any display of utter narcissism and egomania. Smell like Musk, and investors will support you even as your self-driving cars kill people. Get a whiff of Musk, and wafer singers will bang you, even as you name your children Total Martian Garbage. Do you want to smell like genius, wealth, and a wet rat? Get some Musk cologne today. Like Stacey, I know you're jealous, but you're good looking too. Oh, right. oh, I thought you were saying she's jealous of The Hobbit getting three movies. That's true. It's like there's not even one movie for Stacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty funny tantrum. How could... There's not even one movie for Stacy. Yeah, how couldn't you have three fucking movies for a goddamn Hobbit? <laughs> not a single movie for Stacy. Doesn't huh. make sense. So what's causing this problem, Sean? Why yes. are the, the, why the, the resistance? Yeah, okay. So first of all, I want to address up top. There is au naturel antibiotic resistance. Right. Okay. In that bacteria will develop resistance to things that are bad for them. Just like anything else. Just, Just the natural like anything selection. else. And one of the things about bacteria that makes it so that it happens a little bit faster is they divide so quickly. Right. Okay. So we see things like that crop up in almost real time because they divide so fast where natural selection for animals and shit would take longer. Right. Okay. But it is natural. That natural process does happen. Right. There are things out there in the world that create the antibiotics and dump them into the soil and shit, and yeah. soil bacteria will generate resistance. Right. You can actually look in Arctic permafrost. They've taken permafrost, unpolluted permafrost, uh, from Alaska, for example. They dug down deep, found some bacteria. Those bacteria produced enzymes that can counteract modern antibiotics. Okay? It's not because they've ever encountered exactly the modern antibiotics. Right. It's because... They've encountered stuff in the same general family over the course of tens of thousands of years, maybe yeah. longer, and they have developed the enzymes to fight it. Okay. okay. So the the seeds of antibiotic resistance are natural and have always existed. Yeah. But the issue is the growth. Of okay. It, right? It's much more prevalent now. And the reason for that is the amount of antibiotics we're using. Right. You know, antibiotics getting dumped out there into the ocean or into the soil, it's a very different concentration than the amount that we are taking in pills into our bodies, feeding sure. to animals, all that right. shit. Right, it's like a little cocaine diluted in your Coca-Cola. That's okay. That just makes your brain smarter. <laughs> but we're like dumping like a whole layer on the Earth's crust of cocaine. Yeah, and yeah. It's going to make the bacteria all fucked up. Yeah, it's just like a little bit of speed is nice. Yeah. But Nazi levels of speed and yeah. meth? Nazis. Right. I can only watch about five minutes of speed. And that's like the perfect <laughs> no, amount of speed. No, what? Come on. Keanu's so cute. Uh, and Sandra Bullock? The chemistry. Five minutes of speed. <laughs> I heard that they were in love during that movie. Really? Anyway. He's a method actor. <laughs> okay. So, natural stuff exists, but really, this crisis has been spurred by misuse of antibiotics. Okay? And there's actually some distinct issues with misuse that come up for developed nations versus developing nations. Right. So for developed countries like the U.S., a couple of the biggest specific issues are poor hospital policies and too much agricultural use. I thought we had the best hospitals in the world. I mean, we have excellent doctors and pretty good facilities. Right. But one of the issues is that both in terms of how much we're prescribing to patients, 
how close those patients are to each other in the hospital. Right. And things like patient hygiene and cleanliness and stuff like that. Right. Means that at least a decade ago, there was a huge issue with drug-resistant bacteria spreading from patient to patient in hospitals. Right. That's why I always advise people not to go to hospitals. They're very dangerous. No, so you'd have like 20 people. I'm, I'm kidding. By the way. But you'd have like 20 people in a room, right? And they're all shitting and pissing and fucking on each other. And like, <laughs> I don't know how much fucking's going on in the hospitals. <laughs> have you never seen ER, dude? You've never seen Grey's Anatomy? They're all fucking, right? Okay. And they're just like squirting shit all over the place. Yes. And like they're all in these different antibiotic regimes. So, and they have they have all these different little big backs, little bacteria nibbling at them. Sure. Okay, well now you're exposing all these different bacteria to all these different antibiotics. They're like on the walls, they're on the skin, they're yeah. on the dick, yeah. right? Yeah. And so you're getting a lot of cross fertilization of resistance here, right? Right. And I'm excited that that is a legitimate issue. U.S. hospitals were a place where there were certain bacteria that were not a common, like not staff. Sure, there's staff there, but there were other bacteria. That were way less common in terms of being multi-drug resistant. Right. That you could really only find in hospitals. Right. And when you found them in hospitals, there was a lot of them and they could be very dangerous. So, so you know, uh, since that information has been out and about for the past 10 to 20 years, hospitals have put in a good amount of effort to try to turn that around. Right. I wouldn't say it's done yet. Right. But a lot of the things that we talk about here as issues are ones that at least... You know, hospitals and doctors are broadly aware of. So we've been trying, but it well, has helped spur the antibiotic resistance issue. Well, how aware are farmers of this problem? Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that many well, farmers. Because farmers is like where a lot of our use is, right? Like 80% of our antibiotics I see in the notes here. Yeah. 80% is used by farmers just dumped on the heads of their chickens, <laughs> right? Well, chickens and cows and pigs and stuff like that. Yeah, they get a lot of antibiotics. Uh, a That's lot of times. I only eat wild animals oh yeah like bald eagles pigeons, dolphins probably yeah no not pigeons no. endangered okay I, I seek the most dangerous game legally <laughs> that's, that's, the flavor of legal jeopardy is like truffle salt to me mixing of dangerous and endangered <laughs> similar sounding words yeah look me with a gun can beat a rhino me with a gun still loses in prison <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, it's more dangerous. But yes. So, you know, nowadays I think you're starting to see more and more things at supermarkets saying like antibiotics free. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. So is that safe? Yeah. So I think what originally spurred some of the use of antibiotics was first of all that they found that uh, some animals actually grew larger if they were given antibiotics kind of prophylactically. Oh, interesting. Does that mean through the dick? Or like... <laughs> <laughs> no. Prophylactically means without being sick, before uh, being sick. Okay, okay. Right? So if you just gave them some antibiotics, some of them grew larger, I think because they weren't getting sort of minor illnesses through childhood and stuff like that. Yeah. But there's also some issues where you could house animals in shittier conditions and just make sure that they had antibiotics right. to keep them from dying from the fact that like they're shoved in too close right. and they're scraping up against each other and getting all these wounds from being too close and fighting and stuff like that. Right. And just by dumping antibiotics into them, they just won't get infected. Right. So, you know, I think antibiotics-free needs to be matched up with... Better agricultural practices right. in general. Right, right. Ones where you, you know, they have enough space and everything like that, and more humane conditions. Yeah, humane conditions, holistic approaches, goop farms. 
Oh, shit. You know, Mendocino County. Yeah. Is you know? Greg Gwyneth Paltrow is now starting up goop farms. This cow smells like my vagina. Oh, shit. <laughs> Poor cow. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I hope that the usage of antibiotics is dropping in places. But to be fair, this is U.S. focused when we talk about this a little bit because right. we're in the U.S. China's dumping some antibiotics, right? Yeah. And Turkey. Oh. Turkey is actually using a fucking gigantic amount of antibiotics. Yeah. In 2015... In terms of per capita use, per number of people, Turkey, like, almost doubles the U.S. It's interesting, because there must be remarkable diminishing returns to that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because they're kind of developing, they actually have this additional issue, right? Or additional issues. So, for developing countries, the main antibiotic resistance issues are poor quality control, overprescription, and non-adherence to taking the doses... And also, maybe slightly counterintuitively, the ease at acquiring antibiotics. Yeah. So in some places, antibiotics are kind of over the counter. But at the same time, they are not necessarily full quality pills. Right. Like you might be told like, oh, take one of these per day, but you're actually getting a half dose because the quality on the pill is not so good. Right. I mean, this kind of preempts our developing issues, but basically Erdogan is kind of in that fucked up sweet spot where it both has diluted quality and it has overuse and it's led by Erdogan. <laughs> so it's got like a lot of kind of unique circumstances. You know, Erdogan's not famous for his subtle use of policy. That is true. Right? Not Erdogan's subtle. not the guy who listens to a bunch of scientists and is like, oh yeah, let's listen to that instead of like, let's kill them all in the Black Sea, right? Like, yeah. this is the guy we're talking about here. And so one of the reasons why things like quality control can be so detrimental for antibiotics is again, resistance kind of crops up when the bacteria don't die quickly. Right. right? Like, that's, that's kind of the whole idea. The bacteria are dead. You can't get resistance. Right. Right? And so, if you have antibiotics that are half strength or something like that, or you don't take the full dosage course or right. something, then in those circumstances, you can have bacteria that survive, generate resistance, and then pass it on to a bunch of other bacteria. Right. This was the big problem in, like, sub-Saharan Africa, right? Is like, is like dealers would cut as if a drug you know, prescription antibiotics. Yeah. And then you just get all sorts of crazy super TB running around. Yeah. And, you know, again, to be fair to dealers, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to be middle class. Well, no, it's just you know? uh, what I was going to say is developing countries right now, all developing countries are going through a lot of shit. Okay. They're developing. That's so, true. So I, I understand that they might have some issues. What's discouraging is that they're following along basically the same path of issues that developed countries did. Right. right. The U.S. had all these same problems, you know, 50 years ago. Overprescription, poor yeah. quality, things right. like that. Since then, we've kind of done a post-mortem in developed countries and been like, wow, those are really shitty policies that we did. Yeah. We need to cut that out. Right. But these developing countries are just following our mistakes instead of living in virtuous Rousseauian poverty. <laughs> well, so that, that is part of the issue is that they need more support, right? right. I mean, clearly, I think in terms of governmental policy, nobody really gives a shit what our opinion is here at Petri Dish about this, but... So basically, misuse-wise, I think developed countries need to help developing countries more to shore up these issues. Right. Because, you know, I mean, hey, we have our own antibiotic resistance problems here in the U.S. that are entirely our fault. But also, we need to curb this thing globally. Right. It's going to require money. Yeah. You know? We need, like, an antibiotic version of the Paris Climate Accords. Like the New Haven Climate Accords. Or the Rhode Island Climate Accords. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, something. Where do they make prescription medication? 
New Jersey. New Jersey. Anyway. The Pine Barren <laughs> Antibiotics Accord. Yikes. Uh, I mean, one of the kind of interesting things that's easy to forget, you know, is that, like, antibiotics are an actual physical thing. Yep. Right? Okay, so you got, you're just dumping all this shit, like Agent Orange, on top of cows and pigs and chickens and stuff. Well, you're not dumping them. You they're, feed it to them. Yeah. But yeah. And then they're pooping out all their methane and all their nitrogen and phosphates or whatever. Sure. Going in the rivers. What's the environmental impact of antibiotics? Right. So... Both agricultural and human waste right. has antibiotics in it. I know. Okay? We often think about human waste like a plaything or a toy, but it actually also is a waste product. <laughs> Going to waterways and yes, stuff. But wow, the truth you're spitting. Um, <laughs> so what you find in major rivers and wastewater plants is antibiotics. Yeah. You can find detectable levels of antibiotics in both of those places. If you go to the Ganges, that's cool. There's antibiotics in there. That's okay? why people bathe in it. <laughs> so that it's a natural either you just drink it up, you lap it up. No, very dangerous. Because <laughs> the issue that's is That's called the North Carolina pill. Is you just bathe into the water of the pig farm. <laughs> the problem is that the level of antibiotics is diluted. Uh, okay. Right. Right. So we're coming back to the same problem. Right. And so now bacteria that are just hanging out in the rivers. Yeah. And of course, the shitload, literally shitload, of bacteria living in wastewater plants right. are encountering levels of antibiotics that are enough for them to notice, but not enough to kill them. Oh. And so those are major areas of the development of resistance and the spreading of resistance between bacterial species. Right, right. Okay, so there's also, it's not just in us, it's not just in a person developing resistance, you know, these bacteria. It's also bacteria doing it out there in the world. All right, well, let's take a quick break uh, before we, you know, really just fatalistically talk about how insurmountable this problem is. No, you're so naughty. Yeah, when we come back, we'll talk about, we'll talk about how we fix this thing. Okay? It's going to be real good. The following is an actual advertisement. Hey, it's good old boy Mike. This is good old boy Dave. From Sips, Suds, and Smokes. Sips, Suds, and Smokes covers wine, tea, coffee, distilled spirits, whiskey, scotch, beer, cigars... People whose first name starts with Q. Bad fake British accents. And we always take time to make fun of the people of Alabama. Banned once again. It's a one-hour episode that's mildly entertaining for about 22 minutes. I think mildly would be a vast improvement. Well, we do have the only beer show with the holy man. We talk about these products and rate them with our unique rating system, like our Suds 5 rating. Do you really have something better to do with your life for an hour than actually listen to the show? What don't make them think about it? Well, join us on this radio station, podcast network, or via our Android app. So, the world's gonna end, we're doomed, you might as well just drink it up and be a hedonist because we're donezo, right? Well, it is funny. Uh, <laughs> that's funny, isn't it? Um, there are some policy Who's going to fuck you? <laughs> there are some scientific governmental policy expert that said right. basically antibiotic resistance is like another climate change level issue. Mm. And I get it. Yeah. Because like climate change, which affects everybody in the world to different amounts. Right. A lot of it affects poor people more than rich people. Yes. Antibiotic resistance is almost exactly the same. Yeah. It's global. It more significantly impacts poor people than rich people. And both of them are really complex issues where some of the solution is things like education, policy, things like surveillance and monitoring. Yeah. And uh, some of it is embracing philosophies like Hinduism, where we just come to terms with the cycle of life and death. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah. That's not so bad. You know, my reading list to kids, you know, it was mandatory text. Little Buddha with Keanu Reeves. Oh, oh I found the middle way. Wow. You know, he says that that movie really taught him a lot about life. Because he's like, I must read scripts before I accept projects. <laughs> Is that why he looks sad so much of the time? Yeah, he's way too Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those aspects of the problem, things like educating people on why it's important for them to take all of the antibiotics they're prescribed, you know, like don't leave any left over, take the full course, right? Stuff like that. Sure. That's important. But that's not what we're here for on Petri Dish, right? right. We're, we're here for the sciencey kind of shit. Yeah. So let's talk about the sciencey ways that we're trying to combat antibiotic resistance. Yeah. Okay. So the first one up is new antibiotics. Yeah. I feel like we've just, it's like we're already given up, right? We had this beautiful Atlantean age of antibiotic development to the 70s, right? Uh, 50s to 70s. Right. And it's like, I don't know, baby. We got to find some new antibiotics, right? We got to go to the moon. Asteroids, they've got natural microbiomes that we could get antibiotics. The ocean, the depths, right? James Cameron, those places we could also get antibiotics, right? Yeah, so just to be sure, you're talking about James Cameron's asshole, right? Yeah. That's where you want to get the antibiotics from? But, I mean, not because it's naturally has a lot of antibiotics but just because he goes underwater and that's the hardest place to clean on the male body i understand so it just festers there definitely yeah well i wanted to mix up some right stuff and some wrong stuff so you could disaggregate them yes the asteroid part was i think the only wrong part because otherwise (laughs) (laughs) i think it's true right that look during the golden age a lot of the discoveries of antibiotics that we found was colonizer, white colonizer, pharmacists raping the natural world and taking its antibiotics that already existed. Sure, but my solution to that is for us to keep doing it. Because, like, (laughs) (laughs) just doing it better, doing it smarter. Because we kind of got a lot of the low-hanging fruit in terms of antibiotics that you can, like, really easily find in just, like, the dirt. Right. Right, in the U.S. But 70% of the world is not dirt. Right. It's water. Right. There is a lot... Of bacteria. There are a lot of bacteria in the water. Yeah. In the oceans. Okay. Cool. And there's a lot of things that don't want to be infected by bacteria. Aren't those guys are all, all probably resistant already because we've been dumping so many antibiotics everywhere? But see, if ocean bacteria are resistant to ocean antibiotics, that's not a problem. We're trying to find antibiotics that our skin bacteria is not right. resistant to. Right. Right. So we're looking out there now in like coral reefs and shit. Okay. To try to get some chemicals that are just like secreted out by like sponges and stuff, you know? Yeah. And out of those chemicals, you know, we've been building pretty large chemical libraries of just like natural shit that gets made. And trying to figure out like, hey, does this work for cancer? Does this work for diabetes? Right. Does this work as an antibiotic? So that's one option. Well, here's another thing. is Sometimes when I need to write a script, I'll go to an old script and I'll find good paragraphs and I'll copy paste that to my new script for a new place. Okay. Right? So it doesn't seem plagiarized. Uh, but it's all the same stuff. Okay. Okay. Is that something you could do in medicine too? Yeah, that is. I'm not actually <laughs> sure where are you jumping to to say that. Right because here, of... right? Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry. There, there are two possible connections there. <laughs> I'm um, so smart. Yeah, yeah. That was that was genius. Yeah. So one option is um, look, we've made a lot of drugs. We made a lot of molecules. Yeah. Okay. And we've also found a lot of molecules. And sometimes we don't totally know what they're going to do best. It's kind of an empirical process. If there are 500 million molecules, you can't possibly test every single one of them on every single disease. Challenge accepted. (laughs) So, for example, there was a drug, Halicin, 
Hallison has a certain activity on an enzyme in mammalian cells, in our cells. And because of that activity, we were like, oh, maybe this will be good for diabetes. Maybe this will help people with diabetes. Okay. Did. So they tried it out and it was just not effective enough. Right. It wasn't good enough. So they're like, all right, abandoned. Right. But maybe it could do something else. Right. So years, years, years later, decades later, some dudes made an AI, a neural network AI, that basically just combed through a database of 100 million molecules, right. including Hallison. And at the end, it concluded that humans don't deserve to live. <laughs> it surfed on the internet. Yeah. It went on to 8chan for yeah. like five minutes. Yeah. It was like, fuck it. It took the new moniker Q. <laughs> <laughs> but what it found was like, hey, you know, a chunk of these could potentially work as antibiotics. Cool. Okay. And so it passed that list on to the researchers and then the researchers looked through and tried a few of them out, including Hallison, and found that Hallison was a very effective antibiotic in their hands. Awesome. So now they're trying to move that forward into clinical trials. It would be its own new class of antibiotics discovered by a combination of a huge library of molecules that we've made over time plus an AI. Okay. Okay. So there is that opportunity there. There's another kind of opportunity where, you know, we've been sampling soil to try to find antibiotics. Right. And one of the ways we'd do that is you'd go into the soil, you'd take stuff, and then you'd try to grow it in a lab. And then you'd see if anything from those growths helps stop bacteria from growing. Okay, sure. But there's a lot of microbes in soil that we don't know how to grow very well in labs. Right. They like to eat other kinds of shit that we don't normally put in Petri dishes. And so the only reason we know that, by the way, is we have gotten so good at DNA sequencing that we've taken soil samples, sequenced the DNA, and found out that like 90% of the stuff in there, we've never been able to grow in a lab. Okay, so we can go back to some of the old places we've explored, and with better techniques can plumb their depths, discover more fully some of our options. Right, so there might be species living out there creating antibiotics we've never seen before because we've never grown them. That's cool. But also, there are some bacteria that we have grown in labs that might make new antibiotics we've never seen them make before. No. Because when we grow bacteria in labs or when we grow fungi in labs, we usually feed them a certain set of stuff that makes it, you know, nice and easy and standardized for them to grow. Right. But in the wild... They're in all sorts of funky shit. Right. Their environment's crazy. They got all these different things going on. Maybe they're being challenged by different opponents. Right. So they'll choose different pathways of enzymes. They'll make new kinds of products that we just don't see in labs. Okay. And so people have done deep sequencing on some of the bacteria we've used in the past and found out that there's whole enzymes that we never see them make. And then when they artificially turned on those enzymes, those bacteria made new molecules that we never saw them make before. That's cool. So that could be another new avenue of antibiotics that we could get, even out of bacteria we've used before. Right. So there's a lot of these options out there where we can figure stuff out to make new things. But I will say, you know, keep in mind, Every antibiotic we've ever put out there, bacteria have developed resistance to. Right. So making new antibiotics is a way of, in a certain sense, kicking the can down the road. But we do need to figure out smarter, kind of different, varied ways to combat antibiotic resistance. Okay, what is this about chimeric pedophilic uh, against gram-negative bacteria? (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'll mention that. Sure. Chimeric peptidomimetic treatments. And so what peptidomimetic means, something that mimics a peptide, okay, you know, a cool. piece of a protein. So it's a molecule that looks kind of like a piece of a protein. Okay. And there are antibiotics that are basically peptide pieces. Okay. 
chimeric means mixing together several of them. Okay. So what scientists have done is they've taken two completely different antibiotic classes. Yeah. That are both peptidomimetic. That are both kind of like peptides. And then they basically stapled them together. Mm -hmm. They have two different targets in bacteria. So it's kind of like making a new antibiotic that has two targets instead of just one target. Okay, that's cool. It's kind of like a way of doing a combo treatment, except they're attached to each other in a single molecule. Right. It's a KFC Taco Bell put together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like those tacos where the, the... well, what my fuck it? The, the Doritos the shell. No, the, the shell is chicken, fried oh, chicken. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, disgusting. That kills all sorts of stuff. That's antibiotic. So, <laughs> uh, that actually segues a little bit into the next thing, the next option, which is what about combinations of antibiotics? Right. So, if you know you use one antibiotic and the bacteria develops resistance to it, can you actually use two at the same time? Right. To try to make it so that they can't really adapt as easily. Right. We know bacteria can adapt in one way, maybe, but there is a a big, uh, what is it called? Opportunity cost. Right. To mutating. Right. And so that is the idea is like, okay, maybe they are willing to pay the fitness cost to be able to take care of one class of antibiotics. Right. But they're unlikely to be able to pay for two or three or something like that. Cheap bastards. A or, $600 billion stimulus plan? <laughs> fucking bacteria. 1.9 trillion or nothing. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but another idea is what about using a combination of drugs where one of them is an antibiotic and the other one is something that specifically hits the bacteria's plan to deal with the antibiotics. Right. So it's kind of a one-two punch. So for example, penicillin, uh, most bacteria when they're resisting penicillin will use an enzyme to cut penicillin up. Cool. But that enzyme itself can be a target of another drug. So you give the bacteria penicillin, they try to make this enzyme to break up the penicillin, to cut it up. You put in drug number two, drug number two hits that enzyme and prevents it from cutting up the penicillin. Awesome. So now the penicillin can do what it needs to do. Okay. That kind of combination actually already exists. This isn't a future thing. It's called Augmentin. Mm. Augmentin is two drugs put together. One of them is the one that combats the beta-lactamase, the, the drug that cuts up penicillin. Okay. Or sorry, the enzyme that cuts up penicillin. And then the other one is like a penicillin-like antibiotic. Okay, and Augmentin, hey, that's already out there. You can already get Augmentin. It's usually for people who have bacteria that are resistant to other drugs. Right. We need more of these options. Okay, so Augmentin's one, but there's probably a lot more combos out there. And the thing is that because bacteria can sort of deal with antibiotics in various ways, like for example, Augmentin is not going to be super effective for bacteria that are using the pumps. Because the pump strategy to pump the antibiotics out right. has nothing to do with the cutter enzyme. Okay. Right? So augmentant strategy there won't work. Right. Right? So you'll need something else. Some kind of option that hits the efflux pumps mm. and everything. So those kinds of combos, that could be a really good strategy moving forward. Okay. And the last one. Use the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, viruses. We actually mentioned viruses earlier. There are some viruses that infect bacteria. Okay, They're called bacteriophages. Right. They do not infect human cells. Right. Totally different game. They are just focused on bacteria. Bacteriophages have actually been used to treat humans with bacterial infections before. That's cool. Bacteriophages actually, I believe, were started 
Like, uh, the people were using them in humans slightly before antibiotics existed. Did they know that that's what was happening? Or was it, like, a accident? Mm, they kind of knew, but kind of didn't. Okay. They didn't have a full idea about the virus part of it yet. Right. That took a little bit to figure out. Right. But antibiotics came along, and antibiotics... Were so easy, such low-hanging fruit, that we just kind of ignored bacteriophages. Right. Especially because viruses are a more complicated thing than a small molecule. Right. Okay. Chemists can make small molecules. Right. Only God can make a virus. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out the way to say that without mentioning God. Um, <laughs> Only Yahweh. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, basically, viruses are more complex. And so because of that, especially with the tools in like the early 20th century. Right. They're like, fucking chemistry wins out, dude. Let's yeah. just make antibiotics. Fuck this phage, this bacteriophage. Right. Except in Soviet Georgia and Poland in the Cold War. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, there were a few institutes there that really went whole hog on phage therapy using bacteriophages. And some of those experiments, you know, science benefits with the sharing of information in part because other people can tell you when you fuck something up. Right. So there are some of those phage therapy experiments out of Poland and Georgia that unfortunately suffer from methodology flaws. Okay. Right. Uh, That's a very euphemistic way to say they were executed by Stalin. <laughs> the methodology flaws of the scientists were sent to gulags. <laughs> well, it's just the issue is that some of the results, right. you can't totally trust them because unfortunately there were issues with the way that they set up their experiments. Okay? Right, right. But I think part of the core idea is accurate in that phage therapy is something that does work. Okay, you can use these viruses that attack bacteria to fight off bacterial infections. And in recent years, we've been doing clinical trials globally. Phase one clinical trials, a few phase two clinical trials. Broadly, phage therapy is safe and it is somewhat effective. Now, part of the thing here is that bacteria will develop resistance against viruses as well. It's not like, oh, bacteria can develop resistance against antibiotics, but viruses, you can't stop them or anything like that. Bacteria have their own way of fighting off viruses. So this is not a silver bullet either. But there are some evidence to suggest that you can use phage therapy almost in combo with antibiotics. In that a lot of the strategies that bacteria might use to fight off viruses are directly opposed to how they would fight off antibiotics. So that trade-off becomes super stark, right? basically. So, for example, there was a dude in 2017. There was a dude in 2017 who was dying from a multi-drug-resistant bacteria. Damn. It was, like, necrotizing his pancreas. Woo! That shit was getting torn to shreds. It, it was, like, literally, like, rotting inside of his body. And, you know, usually I wouldn't really know how to picture that, but I did just rewatch The Mummy with Brandon Fraser. Yep. And so now, like... I've got, like, a really clear mental image of that. It, he looked exactly like Brendan Fraser. That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> Damn, dude. Nailed it! Damn, dude. Stacey's gonna have words with you, man. She loves Brandon Fraser. Stacey's like, the world betrayed him. You know what? I think he got shafted a little bit. He did. But also, his eyes are just, like, a tiny bit too far apart. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little funny. The um, whole movie, Stacey was like, that guy's so hot. I was like, baby... <laughs> He's got a he's got a rakish charm to him. He does. He does. He, he reminds me of a uh, Drake, Nathan Drake from the. Uh, I was about to say Fillion. Yeah. Uh, yep. Which is a very similar thing, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they all got rectangle heads. He reminds me of Drake. You know, in the song "I Get You on My Cellphone." Doesn't remind me of that at all. But a certain yeah. succulent yearning. Yes. Anyway, look, 
So this dude was dying of multi-drug resistant bacteria. Okay, bummer. Okay. So scientists got a compassionate use approval, basically. Right, to for, use for something that's not in clinical treatment. trial yet. Right. right. But specifically, a specific bacteriophage. Okay, because this bacteriophage, what it likes to do on bacteria is it likes to infect using the pumps. That's cool. But if you only use the bacteriophage, the bacteria will just stop making the pumps. Jesus. To avoid the phage, right? Okay. But then use the bacteriophage plus antibiotics. Okay, okay. Because the bacteria then have to choose. Right. Either no more pumps, but then they can't save themselves from the antibiotics. That's cool. Or extra pumps, but then the virus gets them. Right. We just pincer movement them. We exactly. Them. So in using both, they saved this dude's life. Wow. And, and then he died in a car accident a week later. <laughs> think, such a tragedy. I think he did die like a couple months later because like <laughs> he had other issues. Right. Once your that. pancreas is like <laughs> rot, you know. He's, well, that's a bummer. Cool for science though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that kind of work, right, where you're using a really clever combination of things that make it so that they can't evolve their way out. There's no good choices for them. Right. Maybe that's going to be one of the ways that we can science our way out of antibiotic resistance and try to keep antibiotics around because like the 20th century saw a lot of really cool shit go down in terms of like medical discoveries and stuff like that right you know ranging from a lot of things that we did with chemotherapy antibiotics vaccines right all those things are really amazing antibiotics is definitely one of them you know what i mean it's definitely like top three in terms of having saved people's lives right and it's going to be a huge bummer for all of us if infectious diseases come back in a huge way because we can't treat them anymore right i hope you guys enjoyed these two episodes on antibiotics yeah please if you get prescribed antibiotics take all of the antibiotics yeah okay even if you are feeling better or whatever you need to take the full course yeah eat the pizza the whole pie Okay. That's just like to our Jersey fans. <laughs> Don't overeat. <laughs> um, let's thank Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Let's thank Brian for art. At Dish Podcast on Twitter, PetriDishPod at gmail.com, Patreon.com slash PetriDish. Mm-hmm. If you want new and exciting antibiotics straight from the Sean Pipeline, <laughs> uh, a thousand bucks a month on Patreon. It's, it's sampled from Nathan's mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So you there's there's this whole fertile soil called my butt yeah. that we're sourcing entirely new antibiotics. It's got that good zhuzh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, we will see you next time. Just a little, da, 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 da